And I didn't grow up in a church where I heard preachers preach sermons about sexual desires or sexual morality. But here, Paul puts it right in front of us, and so we're going to walk through it, we're going to talk about it, we're going to look what Scripture says. And so would you stand for the reading of the Word of God? We're going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. Let's read this together in English first and then in Chinese. One, two, three. For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality. Alright, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we're coming to you uh, for wisdom today. I pray that our hearts will be open to receiving your grace. And Lord, all of us have been touched in one way or another by this issue. And so would you, would you speak to us through your word? In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're going to be covering verses 1 to 8. That's the, that's the section that we're going to cover. And before we jump into the text, I want to make just a, just a quick introduction. Because in a, in a room this size with this many people, I know that a couple things are probably going on. I know and I'm aware that probably there are some of us who right now are probably struggling with sexual sin or maybe sexual morality. And I also know that there are some of us probably who have been victims of sexual sin or maybe been um, yeah, hurt because of that. And so as we as we approach the scriptures today, my, my heart and as people have been praying that this would be a sermon that we would both hear the the good conviction of the Holy Spirit. But that we would also receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit as well. Paul, as he begins chapter 4, he's making this transition in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And if you can imagine a teacher, he's talked about the theology, he's talked about the ideas, and now he's going to say, 
Let me give you some practical commands of how to live your life. And in verse 1, I think it's really amazing. Paul says this in verse 1. He says, I want to remind you of how you've received instruction on how you should live your life and please God. And so over the next couple of weeks, this is what we're going to unpack. Paul's going to begin to show us, okay, how do we live a life that is pleasing to God? And the very first thing that Paul begins to unpack, the very first command, the very first topic that he tackles in this church is sexual immorality. And this is Paul's big point. If you want to write this in those first eight verses, this is his big point for these eight verses. Sexual purity is pleasing to God. Sexual purity is pleasing to God. And so he's going to remind this church, hey, we need to be people who walk in sexual purity. And he's going to remind them of four things. And we're going to unpack these pretty quickly. Four things. He says, we're going to walk in sexual purity. He reminds them of the commands of God. He reminds them of the will of God. He reminds them of the fear of God. But then he says, this is all made possible because and by the power of God. So let's look at verse 2. Jump right in. He says, verse 2, For you know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Yeah, I love how Paul starts, because Paul's about to get into a subject that is probably a little bit controversial to talk about, even in that culture. And Paul does what any good pastor, any good leader would do. He does hear what any good pastor or any leader should do. What Paul does is he doesn't say, hey, I want to talk to you about like sexual morality and how you should live your life, and here are my opinions, here are my thoughts about how you should live your life. He says, anywhere we start, any kind of correction I want to give you, any type of advice I want to give you, it starts with the word of God. These are the commands of Jesus. And it's really important that as we have conversations about sexuality, about lifestyle, about even sexual immorality, I hope that our conversations would be less about, hey, I feel this way, or, well, this is my opinion, and I really hope that our conversations would be more about, but what does God's Word actually say about this? And what Paul reminds us, he says, listen, even though culture is confused, even though you may feel confused at times, and I may, God's Word is very clear, and these are the commands that Jesus gave you. So did Jesus speak about sexual morality? Two places that we're going to point out today. We're not going to spend much time on it. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says, For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual moralities, Thefts, false testimonies, and slander. Matthew 5, 27-28, Jesus says again, Hey, you've heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully 
has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so Paul here is saying, remember that Jesus has not changed his mind when it comes to his commands about how we should live our lives in relationship to sexual purity. And guys, I think that there's probably no other area in Christianity that our culture probably hates the most than in regards to our, our uh, Jesus' commands on sexual purity. Like we understand that our, our culture, our world is absolutely out of control when it comes to sexuality, sexual desires, and celebrating that kind of stuff. And Paul reminds them of the commands of God because what culture will tell us, what the enemy will tell us is that somehow that if we obey God's commands in regards to this issue, we're missing out. Right, this is the lie that the enemy's been doing ever since the beginning. You can have more fun and more joy if you disobey God's commands rather than obeying them. And there's a, there's a story that I love. It's in the Tim Keller's book on marriage. And he talks about this famous New York Times author. I mean, successful, right? Wealthy. And this author actually ended up committing adultery. And this is what she says. She says, during the affair, the passion is obvious. There's a lot of passion. So there's newness, there's urgency, because this is forbidden. But as she told her husband of the affair, and her family began to fall apart, and her marriage began to fall apart, she said she looked at her parents' marriage. And this is what she says. She says they have this marriage of 50 years. A legacy of success. She says a few moments or weeks of passion could not even come close to comparing to that. Because happiness and holiness are not exclusive. Paul says we walk in sexual purity because God commands it. This is what he's commanded us to do. He doesn't just remind them of the commands of God, but he goes on and he reminds them of the will of God. He says, listen, Christian, this is God's desire for you. He says, this is God's will, your sanctification. Now, now, Paul is saying to the Thessalonian church, not only does God command it, but also God's desire for you is to be sanctified, is to be changed. And in sanctification is this really, really important word and doctrine that is important for every single Christian. And it's the process where the Holy Spirit changes the life of a believer. And in, in this process where the Holy Spirit begins to change you and, and change your life and your heart, it involves both a taking on of new things, 
but also in leaving off and leaving behind of other things. And so as Paul begins to unpack what sanctification looks like in this community and in this church, he's going to talk about some things that these people need to begin to leave behind. He says, this is God's desire, your sanctification, and what that looks like, Thessalonian church, is that you keep away, you keep away from sexual immorality. Now when Paul uses this word sexual immorality, it's a word, it's the Greek word porneia. And it's the word where we get pornography from. And this word included a lot of different things in this culture at this time. So basically this word refers to two people acting and living in such a way that's only acceptable in God's context of marriage. So this means that you know people that 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 are touching each other or sleeping with one another or living with one another, that's only allowed as God has said in the context of marriage. Anything outside of that is this word porneia or sexual immorality. That, that this would include, I think, even now, we talk about pornography, this would include pornography. And I think this can even include even moments where we begin to fantasize. Where we begin to use people or use situations for our own selfish desires. And, and, and what God is saying, what Paul is reminding Thessalonians, he says, God's desire is that you flee and run away from that kind of stuff. And I'm totally aware this is not popular. And I'm totally aware that maybe people, churches have changed their mind, or maybe Christians have different opinions, but God has not changed his mind. His word is still the same. I think it's something that we really need to be reminded of and to hear. And so Paul says, what sanctification looks like is that you would flee or run away from what this word sexual morality means, porneia. The word flee means to be distant, be as far away as you can from. This isn't isn't the idea of maybe social distancing like six feet apart. This is like running away. You know, growing up, we had this big tree outside of our house. And in this tree, there's this giant beehive. A beehive. And my dad told me, he said, Colin, do not touch those bees. They're sitting there, just don't mess with them, you'll get stung. What do you think I did? My friends and I have this great idea. We grab some baseball bats. So we had this idea that we would run as fast as we could and hit this tree where these bees were as fast as hard as we could with the baseball bat and run away. Thinking that we could outrun these bees. Now, thankfully, I didn't have to outrun the bees. I just had to outrun my friends. And I did that. I outran my friends. But my friends got stung. And this is the thing is that we think that we can get as close as we want to without suffering the consequences. And my dad was right, I should have stayed away. And this is the idea that Paul says. It's not get as close as you can, but it's get as far away as you can from it. 
。所以我的重点是，你不要就是觉得你可以最近到那个基于犯罪，最近可以到多久多近，而是我们要逃离这个罪的情况，可以逃离多远。And when it comes to this kind of stuff, when it talks about movies, talks about you know pictures or phones or, or pornography or relationships. Many times we think, well, how close can I get without going too far? Yet Paul says, actually, the attitude of someone being sanctified is that we would run away as far as we can from it. So, You know the Bible says that if 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 a demon showed up at your door tonight, like the devil showed up and knocked at your door. So, if 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 Run away. It's a serious and dangerous thing. This is a very serious and very dangerous. Paul says, "Don't flirt with it. Don't click on it. Don't mess around with it. Run away. Flee as fast and as far as you can." So Paul is saying, "Don't be attached to it. Don't be attached to it. Don't be attached to it." Proverbs six twenty seven. I love Proverbs. It's so direct. It's so honest. It says, "Does a man think that he can embrace fire and not think that his clothes would get burned?" In Proverbs six twenty seven, it says, "If a man put fire in his clothes, his clothes will not be burned." And I remember as a young Christian dating my wife. Right? There's the feeling of love in the air. Beautiful woman. And there is this temptation. Say, well, I mean, how close can we get without crossing that line? 就是我们可以在跨界限之前，我们可以多么的亲近。We can hold hands, right? 我们可以牵手吧。We're adults. 我们都长大了。We can maybe kiss, right? 可以亲一下。We're engaged, right? 我们已经订婚了。Paul says, I think the Bible says that's foolish. 保罗说这很笨哦。He says that an attitude of a person is not how close can I get without going too far, but how much can I glorify God. With my body, with my mind, with my marriage, with my singleness. So it's not saying that we can be careful without committing crimes, but we can be closer to doing those things. But it's how we can be in our bodies and in our actions to glorify God. But I think we can admit that even over the past year as a church, we've been rocked because we've seen people and leaders, instead of fleeing sexual morality, they've been caught in scandal or sin. Time and time again. So we can see that even their ministry, because they did not apply and heed the warning that Scripture gives us to run away. We can see that even their ministry, because they did not Yeah, but before we're too hard on these leaders. Let's look at some of these statistics. A recent survey found that 50% of Christian men and 20% of Christian women. Are addicted to pornography. And what Paul says is, Paul says God's desire, your sanctification, is that you would not get burned, that you would not be addicted, but that you would run away and be free from the serious and dangerous sin. That Paul he says God's desire is to you to be free. 然后远离淫行，就是要远离这些呃不喜不讨神喜悦的事情。And so what does that look like? 所以看起来会像什么样 ？Paul tells us. 保罗说。He says verse four. We're going to walk this through. What does it look like to run away? He says verse four that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. 所以这个神圣要怎么做？在第四节第五节，他说
，你们个人晓得怎样用圣洁尊贵守着自己的身体，不放纵私欲的邪情，像那不认识神的外邦人。And what Paul does here in this in this part, he begins to just divide people into two groups: those who know God and those who don't know God. 所以在这里，保罗把人分成两群，一一群是认识神，一群是不认识神。And what he says is, he says that those who do not know God, he says they are just given in, and they give in to what he calls lustful passions. So he says, these who do not know God, they are just given in, and they give in to what he calls lustful passions. So he says, these who do not know God, they are just given in, and they give in. 所以，呃，保罗当然是针对当时的教会，提上罗尼加书的。可是，我们可以在今日的我们来承认说，这样的一个就是情欲的东西，充满在许多，比如说社交软体啊，我们的电视啊，任何的任何地方都可以接触到。Because we're living in a culture, and I think it's much like this culture where everything is okay. Everything is okay, and if you say something is wrong, that's not okay. 那也许我们跟这样的文化是比较接近，就是这样的文化就是做什么都可以。如果你告诉任何一个人说你不可以做这件事情，感觉是不对的。One pastor says this. He says in our culture, sex is everything, and sex is nothing. 所以有一个牧师就说，在我们文化中，性是一切，性也没有意思。That basically, when sex becomes so everything, it loses the dignity, the worth, the value, the design that God actually intended to have. 所以当性是就是随便或者是都可以的时候，好像也就失去了神他给人性这个独特的意义。Romans 1:32 it says that although they know God's just sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but even applaud others who practice them. 他们虽然明明知道行这些事的人，判神判定他们是该死的，然而他们不单自己去行，也喜欢别人去行。Because we have a culture where people are just applauding. People come, come and say things, and they begin to to express things that they feel that God would say is sinful. We have culture that's doing that. We have churches that are doing that that are applauding the very things that God said is sin. So, we now, That Paul says they celebrate these lustful passions. What God calls bad, they call good. What God calls good, they call bad. This is the culture that Paul says we live in. So, um, they celebrate these lustful passions. What God calls bad, they call good. What God calls good, In one country, specifically, if your young daughter or your young son comes to you as even as early as five years old, so in a country, is it whether it's a man or a woman, five years old, they are just kind of confused. And you don't immediately consult a doctor, or you don't actually, or if you don't consult a doctor, so you don't go to seek a doctor, or you help try to lead them in that conversation, or you are just like helping them with a conversation. The government can come and take away your kids. And Paul says, our culture, those who do not know God, they just celebrate these lustful passions. So in our culture, those who do not know God, they just celebrate these lustful passions. So in our culture, those who do not know God, they just celebrate these lustful passions. So in our culture, those who do not know God, they just celebrate these lustful passions. So in our culture, those who do not know God, they just celebrate these Because this is ultimately bondage. This is ultimately there's no power to say no. And this is not freedom. And I think that for us as a church, That Paul reminds us that if we are going to obey God's call to be sanctified, especially in this area. So, if we are going to become like Paul says, that is, especially in this area, that it's going to run in direct opposition to what our culture celebrates. We are going to walk the path that is definitely not celebrated. And I think just young people that are in here. That here, some young people. I feel for you. Like I, 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 I pray for you. You got a huge challenge. You got a huge challenge. But I, I want you to know. God's commands have not changed. 
And his desire for you has not changed. And there's a real opportunity for you to walk in, in sexual purity and freedom in this age and in this culture that you're growing up in. And so, and so Paul says, okay, for those of us who do know God, verse 4, each of you knows how to control his body in holiness and honor. But basically, Paul says, for those of us who know God and are being sanctified, we will be able to have self-control. And it's the idea that basically we can take control over our body and over these desires rather than these desires in our body controlling us. And what Paul is telling us as Christians, he said, listen, God has given you the power to say no, no to sin and yes to God. Paul does not say that you will never have another lustful thought or you will never again struggle with sinful sexual desire. He says instead, because you're being sanctified, he has given you the power to say no to those things and yes to God. And before we kind of walk away as Christians and think that we're really better than everybody else, Paul says the only difference between us and the Gentiles is that we know God. Like that's the only difference. And how should we conduct ourselves, Paul says? He says two things, in holiness and honor. He says, number one, in holiness. In, in this word holiness, we talked about it, but it means being set apart, being devoted to the way that God designed it, the way that God designed us to live. And where we saw before that lust does not honor God. Lust is the exact opposite of holiness and honor. Lust is the exact opposite of holiness. And where lust says, okay, I want to use my sexual desires for my own selfish gratification. Paul says that as a Christian who's being sanctified, we know that God created sex. And these desires, used in accordance to God's word, is a good and holy thing. It's a good and holy thing. And so he says, number one, we operate in holiness, being set apart, using the desires in a way that brings glory to God. But the second thing he says that our actions will be honorable, honor. And this word honor just means being respected or revered. And so what Paul says that as the church, that our community, as a church, should actually reflect the values of God rather than the values of our culture. That in the church, the way that we see each other, the way that we like act toward each other, Paul says it is supposed to be a culture of honor, of respect. And we don't need to take cultural values and the way that culture values people and begin to use those in the church. Paul says that we see people the way that God sees them, we value the way that He values them. And I've heard, heard sermons. And I've heard pastors. Well, they'll say this. You know, if you really loved your husband, or you really loved your wife, you know, your body should look like this, or your image should look like this. That's simply taking cultural values and planting them onto Christians and not seeing people the way that God sees them and God's values. 
I think another place where the church can, can do a poor job at this, not do a good job, is, is making singles in our community feel second best. Right? It's like somehow we, in the church we think that like marriage is this um, superior state of spirituality rather than singleness. And if you're single here, I want you to know that you can use your life of purity, you can use your life just as much as a married person to bring glory to God. And so as Paul ends this point, this is his desire, this is God's desire for you, that you be sanctified. Paul says it says his desire is that we would run away from sexual morality. And we pursue holiness and honor. That there's both a fleeing and a running towards. You know, yesterday we had a cross-country meet. And so all the kids are lined up at this line, right? And as soon as the whistle blows or the gun goes off, right, the kids take off running as fast as they can. But if the kids don't know where they're running, it doesn't matter. They can run as fast as they want. They, they can run away from the starting line as far away as they want. But if they don't have this goal, if they don't know where they're supposed to be going, they can miss it. And the Bible says that our fight with sexual purity involves both a fleeing, a fleeing, a running away from sexual morality. But Paul says it's also a pursuing. Pursuing of the things of God, pursuing of our relationship with God, pursuing of holiness, pursuing of honor. And so I wonder how many of us are doing a really good job running away. We're doing really good on the defense, but we don't have any offense. Yeah, both of those things are needed. And so Paul says, listen, his desire for us that we walk in sexual purity. I can't tell you how excited my daughter was that she's in child care this, this afternoon for the sermon. My daughter's really excited that she's in child care for the sermon. Paul so Paul continues and says that it's not just the commands of God or the will of God. He also says there is another motivation and it is the fear of God. So First Thessalonians 4, 6 says this means that one must not transgress against, take advantage of a brother and sister in this manner because the Lord is an avenger of all these offenses as we also previously told and warned you. And so Paul says walking out this sanctification process with sexual purity involves not just a concern for our own personal holiness, but also for those who are around us, for each other. And this word take advantage, it means to manipulate, to manipulate someone to our own advantage. It means manipulating someone to our own advantage. Uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he says the way that we're supposed to treat each other, he says treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And so what Paul says, he says, listen, when we intentionally manipulate or take advantage of people in this way, we need to have a fear of God because he says, God is an avenger. 
呃，我们如果用这样的方式，然后占着呃其他弟兄姐妹的便宜，这是神所不喜悦的，而且神是一个复仇者。This means, I mean, this this means even you know saying things like manipulating someone to maybe get compliments about our image or our body or or something about us who isn't our spouse. It's intentionally manipulating someone to our own advantage. So, it's just like, ah, we are just using ourselves to manipulate others to get what we want. This is a manipulation. Who, who use their position of power to abuse or, manip or manipulate someone to, to their own advantage. So, if it's a leader, he's like Paul says it's wrong. It's sinful. It's evil. And it's an offense that God takes very, very seriously. He says, when we take advantage of each other in this way, there should be some fear because God is an avenger of these offenses. So, when we take advantage of each other in this way, there should be some fear because God is an avenger of these offenses. And so I want to just speak just carefully and, and lovingly. To those who have maybe experienced or been victims of sexual sin. Paul says here that God sees those things. He doesn't overlook those offenses. He sees your pain. He sees your suffering. And in his justice and in his way, he will avenge and judge this kind of unrighteousness. And Paul doesn't tell us, he doesn't say that this is how God is going to avenge these offenses, does he? But we don't need to know how. We just need to know that it's true. And it's true. Galatians 6, 7, 8 says this, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to the flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So before we get to the last part, I want us to take a step back. Because Paul gives this amazing picture of the character and the nature of God. Paul tells us that God is both the sanctifier of the sexually impure. He sanctifies, he makes new, he redeems. But he's also the righteous judge of the unrighteous. And both of these things, the fear of God, the mercy of God, the wrath of God, and the grace of God are both needed in the sanctification process and getting set free from sexual sin. His grace, his fear. And yet the question is, how do we do this? How do we obey the commands of God? How do we walk in sanctification? I mean, how do you say no to everything that's available to you right now and yes to God? How do you do that? How do you walk in the fear of God? This is where Paul gives us grace and power to obey and to do all these commandments to do. He says, consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God who gives what? His Holy Spirit. The church, Paul says that walking in sexual purity, saying no to sin and yes to God, is about walking in the power of the Holy Spirit that God has given you. 
Look at this promise. I will place my spirit within you, and I will cause you, I will cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. And so how do you obey God's commands? How do you walk in sanctification? How do you walk in purity? Paul says you walk in the power of the Spirit. God gives us the very means to obey the commands He's given us. That is the beauty of the Gospel. Four ways the Holy Spirit helps us walk in sexual purity, saying no to sin. Number one, he convicts of sin. Jesus says this that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. See, the Holy Spirit brings much needed conviction, not condemnation, but conviction about our sin. Guys, condemnation is this vague feeling that you've done something wrong and that God is not happy with you. It's very vague and you don't know what it is. But conviction, God's conviction is precise, it's clear, and it always leads us back towards the hope of the gospel. He convicts us of sin. Number two, the Holy Spirit reminds us of the righteousness of Christ. Romans 8.16 says that the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. That means right now, Paul says to this church, he says this to you right now, if you are a Christian, if you are a Christian and yet you are struggling with sexual sin or you are struggling with bondage, the Spirit of God still says to you, your righteousness is in Christ and you are a child of God. We need to be reminded of that. That our righteousness is not in our own perfection, but in the one who is perfect on our behalf. The third thing that the Holy Spirit does is He produces His fruit in us instead of the fruit of our flesh. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. And the final thing that he does is he gives us the power to beat sin in our lives. Paul says in Romans 8, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. But the Holy Spirit empowers you, empowers me to walk in sexual purity, saying no to sin and yes to God. And so I want us to hear this. That Paul says God's desire is that we walk in sexual purity, but he has given you everything that you need to walk that out. You know, I know that many of us fail to walk this out. And so as we close, I want to invite the, the worship team to come up. Because as we talk about sexual morality and sexual sin, I think there's just a place where all of us kind of need to be honest with ourselves. Say, where are we at? What are we hearing the Holy Spirit say through the Word? Paul says that it's, it's, it's God's desire that we flee sexual morality, but I know that there are times that many of us give into that temptation. 
。那这边讲到说，就是我们要远避离奇，但是我知道有可能当中有人就把自己给了这样的一个罪。You know, there's a. I've shared this story before, but there's a there's a there's a story. 那我讲过这个故事，就是有一个故事。And there's an engaged couple. 那他们订婚了，对。And this this couple was Christians. They were like, yeah, going to church, serving in the church. 那这一对情侣他们订婚了，然后他们是基督徒，他们也去教会。They're going to get married. 那他们也要结婚了。And on their wedding night. 然后在他们结婚的那天晚上。The the wife sits the newly husband down. He sit, just asks him to sit down. This is their wedding night. And she confesses to her husband. She says, hey, you know, during our engagement, I wasn't faithful to you. I cheated on you. 他说，在这个订婚这段期间呢，我其实对你不是很忠心。This is their wedding night. 那是一个新婚之夜哦。And so they didn't talk much that night. 然后他们那天晚上没有。Next day, the, the wife goes to work. 然后第二天太太去上班。She comes back home. 她回来。She's looking for her husband. 她就在找她的先生。Looks in the kitchen. 在厨房看一看。It's not there. 没有在那边。Looks in the living room. It's not there. 然后客厅也没有。She walks into the bedroom. And on the bed, is laid out. Is no, she is is on the bed is this beautiful pure white wedding dress that's laid out. 就是在那个婚纱就在那个床上。And her husband is standing there right by the bed. 然后他他他的先生就是在那个床旁边。And her husband says this. 他就他的先生说。Says I know what you did. I know what you've done. But I choose to see you like this. Because that's the gospel. That there is no sin that is greater than the cross of Christ. The power of God can break any addiction. That He washes and makes brand new. There is no sin that is stronger than the gospel of Christ. Christ actually came to save people who were struggling and living lives of sexual sin, and I am a testimony of one of those people that God has saved and redeemed. He comes to set the captives free. All things, all things can be forgiven. All things can be made new. Marriages can be made new. Relationships can be made new. Desires can be made new. Your brain can be made new. All because of the gospel and the blood of Jesus Christ. So church, let us not keep running back, but let's run to Christ. You are not stuck. You are not lost. Jesus is here. You can set us free. So let's stand. Thank you for your patience this afternoon. I know it's a, a lot of a weighty stuff to talk through. But as people were praying, we pray that there would be some some freedom this afternoon.